Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. So multitask right now. Get your quote now at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Give me an example of the type of things that Aaron will teach players here in his new home. Yeah, I think those are the probably the most important times of the coaching. It's easy to coach when we're watching film and everything, but coaching live on the field after a play has happened and what he's expecting of you, what you did right or what you did wrong, and just getting that instant feedback is huge. And I think he does a really good job of just, you know, A, just being more softer (laughs) and coaching and teaching and, and being more patient with guys. But usually you mean those, than he used to be? Than what he used to be, for sure. Jets receiver Alan Lazard, one of the former Packers now in New York. Peter King was in New York yesterday, New Jersey, technically talking to Alan Lazard. He's talking to us now from Latrobe, where he will be checking out Steelers camp. Peter, welcome and good morning. How are you today? Hey, Mike, everything is going great. Good to be with you guys. And if I can just add one little X factor about what Alan Lazard said and about what Aaron Rodgers is trying to do, as uh, as was pointed out to me yesterday by one of the coaches, listen, there are 84 people on this team who Aaron Rodgers has not been a teammate of. And so... He What he's trying to do is to make sure that, and the reason why maybe he's being a little bit softer, maybe that comes with age, but I think it comes with the fact that they don't know this guy yet. And they don't want to have the brash Aaron Rodgers, the, uh, you know, the pointed Aaron Rodgers. They need the teacher Aaron Rodgers. And I bet I saw... 18, 20, practice was an hour and 40 minutes. And I bet I saw 18, 20, 22 instances of him going up to somebody yesterday and just pointing out something on the field, including some defensive guys. So I don't know for whatever that's worth. 
How much, though, do you think that this fresh start for Aaron Rodgers away from Green Bay, where he had been clearly agitated about things, has this caused this organic shift where he no longer has that edge to him and he is nice guy, happy guy Aaron Rodgers in all things New York Jets? I asked him flat out, did you need a change of scenery? And at first he poo-pooed it, but then he actually said to me, yes, as it turns out, I did need it. And he talked a lot about going into that darkness retreat, which, as I said to him, you realize, of course, that was the latest sign of Aaron Rodgers' derision, <laughs> you know, that, you know, you went into this darkness retreat for, he, as he said, I, it was longer than I thought. He said it was uh, five nights, four days, or four days, five nights, something like that. Uh, and the one thing he said about going into that retreat was that it totally caused him to kind of cleanse his mental palate. And he went in there thinking, yeah, I probably am going to retire. And he came out thinking, if the Packers want me and show that they want me and we can really get on the same page, then, okay, I'm going to go back. But if they can't, I'm going to investigate other options. Now, Mike, I think you and I both know that it was almost certainly over for Aaron Rodgers within a couple of weeks after the season when the team was having so much trouble establishing any line of communication with him. And I realize we're walking on well-tread ground here, and we've talked about this forever. But I really think yesterday the Aaron Rodgers I saw uh, for 20, 25 minutes after practice is a, an extremely contented person. I wouldn't call him happy. He's, he's still serious Aaron, but he, he's, he's a lot happier, I think, today than he was uh, eight months ago. Well, as Don Draper says in Mad Men once, what is happiness but a moment before you need more happiness? Like, uh, Peter, how, how much do you think... Nathaniel Hackett being there and some of those other guys that he's had before, like Alan Lazard, Randall Cobb. How much do you think that helps him in the transition to what he's got to be for the Jets this year? Well, look, you know, as he said to me yesterday, he said, listen, in Green Bay, our the offense that we ran was essentially invented by Matt LaFleur uh, and Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers. And, it, it, you know, a lot of the stuff that's done on the fly was prompted by Aaron Rodgers in that offense. And so this offense with the Jets is that offense. And that's why you're seeing so many on-field teaching moments. You would think that there's Velcro between Zach Wilson and Aaron Rodgers. Zach Wilson is like, you know, the puppy uh, to the side of Aaron Rodgers. He's always talking to him, always trying to suck out information from him. Because I'm sure Zach, I did not talk to Zach Wilson, but I'm sure Zach Wilson figures, hey, we do this for two years, and in training camp 2025, whatever, I get a real legitimate chance to be a quarterback again. And that's how he is taking this. But... If they're going to run the same offense that Rodgers ran in Green Bay, what better level of comfort could Rodgers have 
uh, with than he has with the Jets right now. You mentioned Nathaniel Hackett. He became a focal point of plenty of conversation yesterday thanks to Broncos coach Sean Payton and his very candid remarks to Jarrett Bell of USA Today. Remarks so candid, Peter, I initially thought that Sean thought he was off the record. That's how over the top they were. What was the reaction while you were there in New York? What was the buzz? What did you hear after those words came to fruition? Well, let me start, Mike, by telling you about a conversation I had with an unnamed head coach on my trip yesterday. So, you know, you leave the Jets uh, and we drove five and a half hours or whatever here to Latrobe, Pennsylvania, and obviously get on the phone a little bit. I'm talking to some people. And, you know, one coach said Sean Payton violated the code. Hmm. You know, you don't you don't do that to other coaches in this business publicly. Now, privately, and Mike, you know, that is the, the kind of stuff that, that he said yesterday was the kind of stuff, quite honestly, that I think not just Sean Payton, but a lot of coaches over the years, when you're clearly off the record, they talk like that. Oh, my God, what a crappy coaching job that guy did. Or, you know, you know what I'm talking about. Um, and I was I was really surprised. I don't know the purpose of it. I can surmise something, and I think a lot of people have publicly surmised it, that, you know, my feeling is he's saying to Rodgers, okay, but or he's saying to, sorry, Russell Wilson, all right, buddy, you know, this is me saying to the world, it wasn't your fault. I trust you. I love you. Let's go win. That's what he's saying. But the bottom line is, I just thought he went overboard. I and I don't I I was I was just really surprised. And and then as it relates to the Jets, I mean, do you think that this can be some sort of extra bit of motivation maybe for Aaron Rodgers and Nathaniel Hackett to take it to the next level, especially with that week five matchup that they're gonna have uh, against Denver? Listen, I talked to Alan Lazard yesterday, Miles, as you played that clip. Alan Lazard basically credits Nathaniel Hackett and Aaron Rodgers together for his career. But I'd say probably more Nathaniel Hackett. Uh, the players, as an assistant coach, as, a, as, a, uh, as an offensive coordinator, I think the players with the Packers loved them. And everything that I'm told, or that I was told yesterday after this firestorm hit, is that the players with the Jets love them. It might be one of those situations where you look at, man, Matt Patricia, heck of a schemer, great defensive coach, bad head coach. And, you know, Joe Judge, nice special teams coach, bad head coach. And and so you, it, the road is littered with those in the NFL. But I just don't get the the piling on and over the top part of it in here. I just I just thought it was way, way over the top. Just don't make Nathaniel Hackett the defensive coordinator and everything will be fine going forward as an assistant coach for Nathaniel uh, and, and the Jets or any other team he's with. Peter, one of the big stories that got knocked aside a little bit by the Sean Payton remarks, Aaron Rodgers redoing his contract 
with the Jets. And this had been in the works for a while, and I had heard there was concern that and thought that he was going to take less. How much less, we didn't know. Well, we found out it was $33.7 million less over two years. Have you picked up any sense on why he did it and what he expects, if anything, in return for giving up so much money that otherwise would have ended up in his bank account? I asked him flat out about it yesterday. I, I said to him, look, a lot of guys redo contracts, but they don't give up tens of millions of dollars. Now, we'll see when the contract becomes public. We'll see precisely what it is that that he gave up, but apparently it's upwards of $30 million. Mike, he put it very, very simply to me. He goes, I, in the time I've been here, I got a lot of respect for Robert Sala. My conversations with him have been great. I've got a lot of respect for Joe Douglas. We've talked about building a team and and all that. So he said, I really like the setup here. And I like, you know, I'm putting words in his mouth, the architects. Okay. And he said, I just wanted to do this. He said, and 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 this is a quote, it was the right thing that made me feel the best. And he said, I thought it was important that they know how committed I was. Because I think a lot of people out there are still under the impression that possibly this is a one and done thing. I don't get the impression from anybody that it is one and done. But again, Aaron Rodgers turns 40 in December. You just never know. But he made this point to me about doing this deal with his contract that he goes, I think you have seen the axis in the NFL change that the trading deadline now is a real trading deadline and bodies get moved. Teams get improved. And he goes, it was important to me to say to the jets that I want you to be able to go out and improve this team when and whenever you need to improve it. So I think those were a couple of points he made that that I had not heard to this point. Well, when it comes to kind of the additions that could happen, we've heard that Dalvin Cook is going to be visiting yeah. the Jets. Based on what you saw yesterday, do you feel like they need him? And what do you think the chances are that they do land him? You know, the Jets seem to be optimistic about it. They were very mum about it yesterday. Obviously, he's coming in this weekend. But look, Dalvin Cook probably doesn't have the market that he thought he would have, not only because of the depression of the running back market as a whole, but I just don't think there's a lot of teams right now sitting around with $8 million in cap or whatever the number would have to be this year to pick up Dalvin Cook. Now, I do think uh, that you've, you've got to think, if you're the Jets, you've got to think of two things here. You've got to think of your own well-being and your own roster construction. And you also have to think, we don't want to play this guy twice this year with the Dolphins. And you think about the Dolphins and, man, what a piece he would be in Miami. But I would just tell you this. 
Yesterday, when I was at practice, I'm looking around and I'm looking for Brees Hall. Okay, and obviously, he's not practicing yet. They are confident that he's going to be playing football in September. But, you know, what he's doing is he's running straight ahead on a side field. And you, you simply don't know right now. And again, I think the Jets, who have an interesting little stable of running backs behind them, including their fifth-round pick from Pitt, who has been very impressive early in camp. So I don't think they view Dalvin Cook as a necessity, but there's no question they want him. Peter, you're on phase one of your training camp tour, not to be confused with phase two of Del Boca Vista. Give us an idea of where you are, where you're heading, and what you're hoping to see. Uh, You know, I'm going to do the Steelers today, spend some time hopefully with Kenny Pickett, uh, and Mike Tomlin and a few others uh, going to Detroit tomorrow, the Bills on Sunday, uh, and then next week uh, just almost start uh, for nearly three weeks of, of going out. But, Mike, you know, look, I've been off for 11 weeks. This, you know, 11 of the greatest weeks of my life, you know. Everybody said, hey, did you miss it? No, no, I, I, I loved it. I, I, you know, I, I didn't, I didn't obsess about anything, uh, but I'm, I love the reason I love this time of year is because you get to actually spend time with people who are the newsmakers who are not in a rush and who are not, you know, like, I'll shoot the breeze with Mike Tomlin for 10 or 15 minutes and then kind of get down to it. And so that's the kind of stuff that you just can't do during the season, especially with the media madness there is around the league. And uh, and that's why this time of year is great. I feel like a month from now, I'm going to have a pretty good idea. And even though my predictions will continue to be the worst of anyone who covers the NFL, I f- I will make those bad predictions with confidence. Well, Peter, gonna challenge I'm confident you we're going to be entered. Well, yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Uh, but, Peter, <laughs> uh, have a great training camp tour. We'll be checking in with you from time to time. And Football Morning in America returns on Monday morning with information from Aaron Rodgers, plus plenty more of everything that Peter's picking up and all things happening around the league. Peter, thanks for some of your time. Have a great day today, and we'll talk to you real soon. Take care, Miles and Mike. There he is, Peter King from Latrobe with the Steelers today. Some interesting stuff from the Jets. When we return, Chase Claypool sets the stakes for him very high. We'll be right back. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. Have you ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole princess or get goofy officially? Step up like a boss and save the day? Or see what life's like under the tree of life. 
Did you? If you could, would you? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play. Bring the magic at Walt Disney World Resort. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters. Both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. What's your internal motivation like? I mean, this is, you know, that's the biggest year of my life, and I understand that. And if anyone thinks my work ethic isn't uh, matching that, they're, you know, they're deeply mistaken. Chase Claypool, Bears receiver, traded for a second-round pick that actually became basically a first-round pick this year because it was the first pick in round two with only 31 selections in round one. Now he's got to pay off for the Bears. And if he does, it'll pay off for him. Huge year for him in his contract year. Uh, biggest year of his life, and he understands it. So, Miles, well, before we pivot to a draft of people who will be facing a big year, do you think Chase Claypool will live up to the expectations he's setting for himself? Well, I, I think he better. Let me put it like that. I mean, talk about an extreme disappointment last year. 14 catches for 140 yards in seven games. And I'm not great at math, but that works out to two catches in 20 yards per game. So if you're going to give up a second round pick for that kind of production, right, in the first year that you're there, yeah, I know that he came in and he didn't know the system and all that and that, that, that. But you got to be on it from the jump. So. I don't know if he's going to really be that guy that you expect him to be, you know, that guy that he was for the first two years with the Steelers. But man, if he wants that big contract, either with the bears or in free agency, he's better. He better do it. Something Peter King said about the Aaron Rodgers pay cut just fired into my brain because remember it was both the bears and the Packers trying to trade for chase Claypool. And historically the Packers act like they're interested in guys when the trade deadline rolls around, but they never get it done. And I think in a roundabout way, Rogers hopes that by leaving this money, this cap space on the table, the Jets will be in position to go make that move that the Packers never really wanted to make because it it contradicted their whole draft and develop approach. So uh, yes. they dodged the bullet with Claypool unless he really picks it up this year. But from last year's perspective, he didn't add anything to the Chicago Bears. We'll see what he adds this year. So, today's draft. Which other players are facing the biggest year of their lives in the NFL? Miles, I'll give you the first selection. Well, thank you, Mike. But I'll stay in Chicago. And let's go with Justin Fields because this is a really big year for him, right? It's year three. He is a quarterback. And we know that he's an electrifying offensive player, right? But is he going to be the well-rounded, complete quarterback that the Bears need him to be in order to take the next step as a franchise and as an offense? I mean, can you be a real, true competitor? And we don't really know the answer to that yet. Chase Claypool is going to be a factor in that. I think it's great that they got DJ Moore as a guy who is your lead dog number one receiver. It was pretty clear Chase Claypool ain't that, at least not yet. 
So can they do what they need to do to a surround Justin Fields with the kind of talent that's going to take him to the next level? And has Justin Fields made the strides necessary as a passer to be not just an electrifying runner, but also an electrifying passer? We know he's got arm talent. He's played in big-time games and done real big-time things before when he was in college. But can he translate all of that to the NFL level? This is going to be a big year to see if he can. And, you know, what actually complicates that is the fact that Jalen Hurts did it last year. So, so many people are like, oh, you just do it, you know, Justin, you just do what Jalen Hurts did. What, what's wrong with you? Oh. Why can't you do what Jalen Hurts did? It, it actually creates like an expectation that he's this year's Jalen Hurts. I mean, you're already hearing people suggesting that's what's going to happen. And we'll see. I'm surprised, though. Not surprised you went with quarterback. I'm surprised you went with Chicago Bears quarterback and not Cleveland Browns quarterback Deshaun Watson because I would submit to you this is the biggest year of his career he is three years removed from the last time we saw him play at a high level last year was a mixed bag this year the pressure is on now he's still going to get his full 45 million this year next year Uh the year after and the year after that but you know what's going to happen if he doesn't play well this year people are going to get fired and they're going to reset because They're not getting rid of him. He's going to be there. This is his chance to reestablish himself. No suspension, minimal distractions, although there's still two pending civil lawsuits from the issues that are well-documented from the past couple of years. But he's either going to do it this year or he's not. I don't think this is a, oh, wait, give me until 2024. If he's ever going to get back to the guy that he was, he's doing it this year. And if he doesn't do it this year... I think we start to think he's not the guy that he was back in 2020 and prior to that, Miles. I would agree with you, but I think the thing that's keeping it from being the biggest year of his life is what you mentioned with his salary, right? It's guaranteed. I mean, the biggest year of his life might already be behind him, you know? So when you're going to have that money coming in anyway, it's kind of like, well, yeah, he's not going to get fired, but Kevin Stefanski could. So it's almost bigger for Kevin Stefanski than it is for Deshaun Watson, at least in my mind. That's why you was on my list. Okay, well... I was curious about that since you're all things Cleveland Browns and they're in my state. I just think Deshaun Watson, even though he's still getting paid, this is about legacy. This is about who you're going to be and how you're going to be remembered. I think he wants to be remembered more like the guy that he was a few years ago. All right, round two, who you got? All right, and I would agree with you on that. Uh, Russell Wilson is my next pick because especially now in the wake of these comments from Sean Payton, I mean, this is a huge, huge year for him because if he's not back at the level that we expect Russell Wilson to be, he ain't going to be a Denver Bronco in 2024. I mean, it's going to be expensive to get rid of Russell Wilson, but there are ways that the Broncos are going to be able to do it. And when you look at that offense last year, yeah, we can blame Nathaniel Hackett for a lot of things, but there are also things that you can blame Russell Wilson for. And I go back to times where like, it's third down and you're toward the end of the game. And I think this happened against the Raiders. And it's like, if you take a sack, the clock keeps moving. If you throw it away, then it doesn't. And the Raiders don't have to use a timeout, right? So, and you have to punt. And then that gives them the opportunity to go down the field and score and you lose. So there are things that as a veteran quarterback who has been starting since 2012, you need to know that. And Russell Wilson didn't execute things like that last year. So if he is going to continue to be a guy in the NFL, a Russell Wilson dude, then he's got to do it this year. And look, the cap charge that they would take 
next year, whether they cut him, whether they trade him. That's one thing. The other side of it, though, is there's another $34 million or so that becomes fully guaranteed in March of next year. So that's their opportunity to say, we're not going to give this guy any more money. We're done. It's over. It, it wasn't just Nathaniel Hackett and the GM and the ownership and everyone else. It was also Russell Wilson. I can't fix him. Sorry, I tried. I can't mm-hmm. do it. Give me another quarterback. So I think you're right. If he plays this year like he did last year, it's over for him, and Sean Payton's going to move on to someone else. Right. Uh, this one comes up in different contexts. I can't leave it out of this draft, though. We all know this is the most important season for Tua Tonga-Vailoa, the Miami Dolphins, yep. by way of proving that he can stay healthy. You know, when you talk about Justin Herbert getting his uh, new contract, Joe Burrow getting his, well, who's the guy sandwiched between them who was drafted fifth when Herbert was sixth and Burrow was first, and nobody ever says, hey, Tua needs his contract. Nobody's saying it, including Tua. He knows he's not proven himself, and he knows he needs to prove himself by playing like he did last year and by being able to play the whole year. That's the key. He's got the hard part figured out. The easier part, staying on the field, that's where he needs to do his most work. Exactly. And, you know, it's funny. I mean, I don't necessarily just want to keep going through quarterbacks, at least for my last pick here. Um, as we talked show two doing a little his injury history, and yeah, it's not good. And it's almost one of those things where you're like, man, I don't want to call him injury prone like a Jimmy Garoppolo. But yes, he kind of is. And that's just kind of the reality. So if he's going to do it, if he's going to stay healthy, this has got to be the year that he does it because he needs to get that second contract. And the best place to do it for him would be in Miami. Um, but I'd stay in the quarterback realm. I'll go with Jared Goff. Because, look, there are a lot of expectations on Detroit this year, which is not something that we often say at all when it comes to Detroit Lions football. But part of that rests on Jared Goff's right arm. And look, this is a big year for him, too, because it's not the last year of his contract, but next year he doesn't have any guaranteed money on that thing. So it's not going to be very hard for Detroit to move on if things don't work out for Jared Goff and the Detroit Lions. And I think it will, you know, based on what they were able to do, based on that partnership that he has with Ben Johnson and how well those two have connected as offensive coordinator and quarterback. But when you look at the course of Jared Goff's career, right, how how poorly it started and then it got really good in 17 and 18 with Sean McVay and takes the steps back in 19 and 20 then goes to Detroit. And now like the back half of the 22 season, very few players were better than Jared Goff at quarterback. So we'll see if that can translate here into 2023. But this certainly is a big year for him. Okay, I'm going to go non-quarterback, and we're going to do another round, and you better have a non-quarterback ready for round four. But you're not getting this non-quarterback because I'm going with Steelers running back Najee Harris for one very important reason. Even though there is no simple global solution or no difficult global solution or no solution of any kind for the running back market, the one thing you can do as a running back is get your second contract as soon as you possibly can, which is after your third season. And the key is having a big third season, like Christian McCaffrey did, like Mm -hmm. Ezekiel Elliott did, not like Jonathan Taylor, who missed six games due to injury, or Saquon Barkley in his third year who tore an ACL early in the season. Najee Harris needs to have a great third season because then that sets the stage for an effort behind the scenes to get a contract 
And if he doesn't, I'll hold out that maybe forces the Steelers to give him what he's looking for. But Harris, year three, a a running back who has the potential to be great, this is the year to be great because that's how you get paid as a running back in today's NFL. Well, it's funny. I mean, one of the names that you mentioned is my non-quarterback on my list, and it's Jonathan Taylor, because he does need a very big year, especially considering now Jim Irsay telling Stephen Holder of ESPN that they haven't even offered Jonathan Taylor a second contract yet, right? And part of that is because he had a really good year, first year, elite year in that second year for Jonathan Taylor, but through a lot of different things, right? I mean, you had a coaching staff collapse. You had Jeff Saturday come in there as head coach. You had injuries for Jonathan Taylor last year. Not great year for the third year. So if he's going to get a contract and if they're not just going to tag him twice and say, we'll see, then you need to have another elite season in 2023 that can make the Colts say, okay, we know that he is indispensable for this offense, especially with a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson. And, you know, for as ill-advised as Jim Irsay's tweet or X or whatever the hell it's called on Wednesday was about the running back market, he was very smart to have said what he said after Jonathan Taylor reported for camp. Because I just wonder how close Taylor was to holding out. And if Irsay says that before Taylor has to make a final decision, maybe he stays away. All right, I'm going to go back to a quarterback, and I'm going to take the quarterback that I think you probably would have taken – If I had let you take a quarterback last round, a former Browns quarterback who has had good year, bad year, good year, lost year due to injury, lost year due to playing for what, five different teams, I'm exaggerating, Baker Mayfield in Tampa Bay. First, he's got to win the job, which is no gimme, right? They're they're doing everything they can to justify their second round pick that was invested in Kyle Trask, and they're making it a real competition. And he's got to worry about the possibility that Tommy's going to swoop in once he realizes the world will indeed keep spinning without him playing football and the games will go on. They're not going to cancel the season because Tommy's not playing. So I guess I'd better play. Uh, if he does all that and ends up being the week one starter, this is it. Now or never, it's been three years since we saw greatness from Baker Mayfield. This is his chance to get back to it. We'll see if he can pull it off. Yeah, I wasn't going to pick Baker, but I I understand why you would. I mean, look, I think the book is kind of already out up there on him, and maybe he'll be good, maybe he doesn't. I mean, the, the guys that are also on my mind, Jordan Love, Sam Howell, Desmond Ritter, all those guys, I mean, young quarterbacks that have basically one shot at an opportunity. And if they get it, they get it. If they don't, they don't. So that's where my mind's at. Yeah. Um, and, and look, today's NFL, you could argue that unless you have proven yourself as a true elite player, every year is your most important year because any given year can be the year where it all goes the other way because there's always that crop of young guys coming in each and every year. All right, let's go ahead and take a break. When we return, Saquon Barkley speaks after signing his contract and showing up for training camp. More PFT Live right after this. I'm a busy dude. I felt like what's the best thing that I can do? Um, And... Some people may agree or disagree with this and, you know, to sit out or sit in. And I feel like for this year specifically, the best thing that I can do um, for myself would be coming back, uh, going out there, play the game that I love, playing for my teammates, um, doing something I want to do since I was a little kid. And I understand I know what's going on with the running back situation and me being tagged and the value of the running back continue going down. 
Um, the only way that I feel like, you know, someone that's, that's going to change, uh, someone got to make a change. And God willing, hopefully I can be one of the people to do it. The whole time he was talking, I'm thinking, does he wear that jersey over shoulder pads? How do shoulder pads fit under that jersey? It's pretty tight on Saquon. He's ready to go. He's ready for week one. Maybe he's going to play this year without pads just to streamline the whole running of the football process. But, look, Miles, everything he said and everything that's happened this week meshes with what I heard went down on Saturday night when the running backs got together on a Zoom call. Two takeaways. One, Josh Jacobs ain't showing up anytime soon. Two, mm-hmm. Saquon Barkley is. So that extra 900000 in available incentives, that's gravy because he was showing up for 10-1. He got a little extra. Now he's going to have to do a lot to get it, but he got a little extra that he wouldn't have otherwise gotten, and he was going to show up and take the 10-1 anyway because he's in checkmate. That's the thing. You want to play football. You want to lay the foundation to continue your career beyond this year. It's still $10.1 million. What are you going to do? You feel like you're screwed. You feel like you were unable to get a fair long-term contract. What do you do? You still got to make chicken salad out of a bad situation. And it doesn't surprise me that he's there. And it's advantage Giants because they have a smaller financial investment and they get him all in for this year. Yeah, and he got, you know, a little sweetener uh, up front, a little bit more money up front than he otherwise would have gotten just playing on the franchise tender. So that is an addition to the incentives. I mean, I think, you know, you're right, Mike. Look, he there was nothing else that he was going to be able to do at this point because you can't negotiate a long-term deal with your team until after the season. So that's just, it, it just is what it is once you get to this point. And like you said, it is still $10.1 million. You still have the opportunity to get these incentives. And I think... You know, Barkley versus Jacobs is two very, very different situations, right? There is still love between the Giants organization and Saquon Barkley, where I don't know if that's the case between Josh Jacobs and the Las Vegas Raiders. I mean, look, if the Raiders had decided that they wanted Josh Jacobs, and granted it was a new regime, but they could have picked up his fifth-year option for about $8 million, and we wouldn't be in this situation right now. He would still be under contract, and presumably he would be in training camp. But they didn't think that would happen. They didn't pick up the option. They played him early on in that Hall of Fame game. And now look at where they are with Josh Jacobs or who the hell knows when he is or is going to report. They have Saquon Barkley where it's okay. Now we understand that there is love here between the organization and the player. Let's play this year out and let's see where it goes. And I think that that was probably the best option for everyone involved once it got to the point that it got to. Yeah. Now, look. I made this point earlier in the week when you have two players heading for free agency like the Giants did. If they work together, they can maybe both get their long-term deals. The Giants played Saquon Barkley against Daniel Jones. They tried to sign Barkley. They were going to tag Jones. Barkley didn't take their offer, so they tagged Barkley and signed Jones. And now they're playing hardball with Barkley in the aftermath of that. Plain and simple. But he's not as upset as Jacobs. Jacobs is upset because they didn't pick up the fifth-year option. He has a big year, and then they franchise tag him and won't offer him the long-term deal he's looking for. So I'm going to be very interested to see if he has an epiphany, if he shows up, and the closer we get to week one— I'm watching to see if the Raiders become the fourth team to yank the franchise tag since 2000 or thereabouts. Jeremiah Trotter, Corey Simon, Josh Norman are the three who have had franchise tag removed. 
it could be Jacobs, and he's going to have a hard time finding 10.1 million miles if he's all of a sudden available as week one begins and everybody's team is set and their money is spent and they're ready to go. All right, we're ready to go. Are the 49ers ready to go? Specifically, is their window closing? One key player thinks it could be. We'll discuss that when PFT Live continues right after this. There are certain guys that are maybe whether it's at the um, end of their contracts and like the team might be, you know, that happened in 2019. We lost some key players, you know, like they had to go to different teams and stuff like that. We're aware, like, yeah, the business side of it. We understand that. We have a fantastic football team. We have a great core guys in really important positions. We understand that some, you know, the, whatever the window, whatever that is, could be closing. Um, you know, we're going to try our best just to keep that window open as long as we possibly can, but we're going to try to sneak out some wins, uh, you know, while that window is still open, according to everybody else. Like, we're aware of that. George Kittle, believing the Super Bowl window is closing potentially for the 49ers, I wonder whether or not what he's really saying is it's closing for him. I don't think it's closing for the 49ers. I think he's getting toward the end of his run with the team because they've done such a great job over the past seven years of finding these guys. I say this all the time to Chris Sims. John Lynch has a a unique skill for spotting guys like him, these roughnecks that'll roll out of bed and kick your ass, tackle to the ground without ever practicing it. They'll, They'll run through a brick wall and sometimes survive it. They keep coming up with guys like that. I think Kittle recognizes for him specifically it's going to be over sooner than later. If he's going to win a Super Bowl with the 49ers, this may be his last chance to do it. That's a good point, Mike, because I think the 49ers are a unique team in that they have a seventh round pick as their starting quarterback. And whenever that's the case... I mean, Brock Purdy is not even going to be extension eligible until after the 2024 season, right? So it's not like you've got to go and make sure that you have this and that, and you've got to work around the quarterback salary. You you don't because your starting quarterback's cap number is that low, and that allows them to build around him, especially on offense, right, where you've got Trent Williams at left tackle and guys like Kittle and McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk, and the list goes on and on and on, and you go into free agency and you you sign Javon Hargrave, who's uh, somebody, you know, I mean, a lot of people, not just somebody, thought he was the best available free agent. So when you can do all of those things, that helps extend that window. But we're talking about a guy in George Kittle who's been playing for as long as he has, and he plays the kind of position that he does. That could be one of the last, maybe this is the last year, maybe it's next year, we don't know. But at some point, your time does start to run out a little bit when you play that kind of position. So I think you make a really good point with that. It's a great compliment of a coach who can scheme up offense unlike any other and a GM Mm -hmm. who just goes and finds guys who reminds him of him and who will play like John Lynch played. You put him together and you have the recipe for sustained success. The window does not close on that as long as you can hold it together. All right, we're going to take a break, and we will wrap up this Friday edition of PFT Live right after this. A lot of buzz coming out of Jacksonville about what receiver Calvin Ridley can do for that team this year. And I think it's legitimate because he was on 
his way to becoming a great receiver before things went sideways a couple of years ago, and he ended up being suspended for violating the league's gambling policy. Miles, he says he just wants his reputation and his name back. Now, look, he's responsible in part, in large part, for why this happened, but he was the first one to get caught up in the gears of the NFL's hypocritical and somewhat inconsistent approach toward gambling. Yes, but I think now he's in a position where his career can really move on from that, right? I mean, he's with a talented young quarterback in Trevor Lawrence. He's with a talented offensive play caller and schemer in Doug Peterson. There's a lot to think that, you know, the Jaguars will be good this year, just like they were last year. They finished the season very, very well. They gave the Chiefs all they could handle in Kansas City, especially considering um, Patrick Mahomes' injury in that divisional round. So, I think if there's ever a good place for Calvin Ridley to continue his career, it's probably with the Jacksonville Jaguars. I still am troubled by the whole NFL gambling is good when we can make money from it. Gambling is bad when our players do it under certain circumstances. And now, now they have slot machines that are themed for NFL teams. I hope players are allowed to play them if they see them somewhere. Oh, no, well, that's an NFL event, right? If it's got NFL logos and teams, you can't do that. <laughs> that's true. Maybe. I don't know. we got to look at the policy. It may be an NFL event to play an NFL slot machine. That's it. Enjoy the weekend. See you Monday. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.